The sermon text for this morning is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 20 through 22, as we continue our series through the book of Hebrews, and especially now through chapter 11. Reading verses 20 through 22. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Now, as we know, this is what is referred to often as the Hall of Faith. It's a chapter in Hebrews where the author of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, describes those old covenant saints that trusted in the promises of God, that trusted that God would be faithful to his covenant promises to his people. And this morning, we will look specifically at Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And what we see first is the importance of trusting God's word by faith. Trusting God's word by faith. Now, the faith of these three men, of Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, it's evidenced in the fact that they believed that God would fulfill his covenant promises to Abraham. You know, these promises were given to Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 12, and that in that chapter, God promised Abraham land and a family, a family through which the whole world would be blessed. And God not only gave Abraham promises, but God in Genesis chapter 15 took an oath on his life that he would surely fulfill those promises to Abraham and to his descendants. Again, those promises were twofold. The promise of a land, of Canaan. We sometimes refer to it as the promised land for this very reason. It was the land of promise that was given to Abraham. There was also the promise of a big family, of a seed. And it was through this family of Abraham that the whole world would be blessed. And this blessing, we know, would come in the form of the Savior who would come from Abraham. And that Savior would bless the whole world, would bless specifically his people. We read about these promises to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. So we see here that God gave Abraham these promises, and Abraham believed God. He trusted God. In fact, we're told in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, that Abraham believed the Lord, and God counted it to Abraham as righteousness. Abraham believed God. But I want to ask this morning, what about Isaac, 
Jacob and Joseph, who were descendants of Abraham. Uh, Did they also believe the Lord? And were they also counted as righteous? Did they also have saving faith like Abraham did? Loved ones, the answer of Scripture is a resounding yes. They also believed in God's covenant promises. And we see this especially in their actions at the end of their lives. I want us to first consider Isaac and Jacob. We read again in Hebrews 11, our passage for this morning, verses 20 and 21. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. And by faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. Loved ones, do you see what Isaac and Jacob did at the end of their lives? We read that they blessed their children. They pronounced a blessing over their children. Now, you know, when we hear this word blessing, we need to understand that Biblically speaking, this was a very significant act. It's very different from the way we might use bless today. We say, uh, bless you after somebody sneezes. Uh, In the South, they say, bless her heart, bless his heart, right, when they're trying to be polite about uh, somebody. But what we read here is, is very different when we see this word blessing. What Isaac and Jacob did at the end of their lives, was a covenantal action. They were patriarchs of their families. Uh, they were, we might refer to them as federal heads. They were leaders. They were the fathers over their families. And by pronouncing these blessings over their sons, what they were doing is they were demonstrating that they believed their descendants their sons, their children, would also inherit the covenant promises given to Abraham. That those promises were not only for Abraham, but they were for Abraham and all of his descendants. And each father, every generation, is showing that he believes that those promises were for that present generation and for future generations. See, this is why in Scripture, God is often referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he is the father of the patriarch, uh, the God of the patriarchs. In fact, we know that God repeated his promises to Isaac after Abraham died. Remember, we read those promises that God gave to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Now, we're going to read those same promises as they are repeated by God to Abraham's son, to Isaac. And listen to how similar the promises are. Genesis 26, verses 2 through 5. And the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring, I will give these lands. See, that's the land promise, right? And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all of these lands and your offspring and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham 
obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. You see here that Isaac, the son of Abraham, he received the same promises. And these promises were later repeated to Jacob as well. Jacob, who was the son of Isaac. So on that special night when uh, Jacob received the vision of angels ascending and uh, descending from heaven to earth, now listen again to how similar these promises are. Listen for the promise of land, of family, and of that family being a blessing to the world. This is Genesis chapter 28, verses 13 through 15. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said to Jacob, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. You see, loved ones, what the writer of Hebrews points out in our passage this morning is that Isaac and Jacob believed God. They trusted God. And they showed their trust in God by blessing their own sons. They were demonstrating that God was not only their God, but was also the God of their children. See, because I want to ask the question, what would they have done if they had not believed that God's promises would come to pass? How would they have revealed their unbelief? They would have done so by, if while they were dying, you know, they looked at their sons, each of them, and said something like, God has failed. His word has not come to pass. God has broken his covenant. You know, if Isaac looked around and said, I don't see a big family, we don't yet possess the land, God's word has failed. But loved ones, see, that's not what happened. Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph as well, they all trusted God. And they believed that the promises would come to pass just as God had said. They each believed God. This was a significant act of faith on their part because as they were dying, they did not yet see the fulfillment of God's promises in their lifetimes. They did not yet possess the full reality of the promise, promises that God had given to Abraham. You know, and that's that's so important for us to understand as we consider these verses in Hebrews chapter 11. See, Abraham received the promises, but when he was dying, he did not have a big family. And he owned only a small plot of land in the promised land where he buried his wife, Sarah. But we know that Abraham did not lose faith. He died in faith, saying to his son Isaac, God is faithful. He will keep his promises to us. Though I have not seen the fulfillment fully, God is faithful. And Isaac, as he was dying, he also did not see the fulfillment in his lifetime either. 
Isaac, we might say, saw more of the promise coming to fulfillment. But when he died, he died still believing that God would be faithful. And he showed this by blessing his son, Jacob. And in his blessing, he was saying, God is faithful. I believe he will keep his promises to us. And it was the same with Jacob. And we know that Jacob did see more of the promise come to pass in his own lifetime because he had 12 sons, bigger family than those who went before him. But remember, when Jacob died, where was he? He was still in Egypt. Right? He wasn't in the promised land. In fact, he commanded his sons to bury him in the promised land and not in Egypt, as we read this morning, because he died believing that all his family would soon end up there. He trusted that God would bring his whole family there at some point in the future, just as God had promised. And it was the same with Joseph. With Joseph, who himself died in Egypt, but as we read in Genesis 50, he, he made the sons of Israel swear that, he would, that they would take his bones out of Egypt and bury them in the promised land. We read this in Hebrews 11, verse 22. That by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Now, loved ones, think about how significant this action of Joseph's is. At the end of his life, he made arrangements for his bones to be taken out of Egypt and to be buried in the promised land. What was Joseph demonstrating by making his family swear that they would do this? And what he was demonstrating is faith that God would keep his word, that God would fulfill his covenant promises and give the land of Canaan to his people, to Abraham's family. And you think of Joseph at this time, you know, it would have been easy for him and perhaps even understandable, humanly speaking, for Joseph to there at the end of his life to say to his family that Egypt was now going to be their a permanent home. Right? This is it. This is home from now on. We think about Joseph at that time. He was in a position of power, of influence, he had riches. They all were very comfortable. We read in Genesis 50 about how favorably Pharaoh looked upon Joseph and his family, how they mourned when Joseph's father died, much less Joseph himself died. The family of Joseph, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they weren't being persecuted. Their family was rich and comfortable and secure in Egypt. But we read instead that by faith, Joseph, trusted in God's faithfulness to his word, to his promises. He believed that God would take his people out of Egypt to the land of promise. And so he gave these directions concerning his bones. And this was fulfilled hundreds of years later. We know that after centuries, uh, the Israelites became slaves in Egypt. And in their slavery, they were forced into hard labor. Their infant sons were sentenced to death by Pharaoh. And we read at the beginning of the book of Exodus that they cried out 
to God for deliverance, and he brought them out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. We read in Exodus 13, verse 17, the following, that as they were fleeing from Egypt, when Pharaoh let the people go, God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. See how it, Joseph's request is coming to pass. And then later, when Israel finally inhabited the land after the conquest, when they were finally in the promised land, when they were finally seeing the fulfillment come to pass, we read in Joshua 24, verse 32, as for the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem. Shechem was in the promised land. Shechem was in the piece of land that Jacob bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money. It became an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. See, loved ones, what we see here is that all these men, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, all that they had in their lifetimes was God's word. They had God's promises to them and to their family. And they believed God despite the circumstances that they faced in their lifetimes. We read that these men all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. That's Hebrews eleven, thirteen. They died in faith, not having yet received the things promised. See, loved ones, we learn a lot from these men about how to live by faith, but we learn more. We learn more about God's covenant faithfulness. We learn more about the fact that God is true to his word. See, we live like Abraham, like Isaac, and like Jacob, and Joseph. We live by faith, trusting in God to fulfill his promises to the very end, when they will be fully and finally fulfilled. And we rest in the meantime, on his word and on his past faithfulness to his church. We know from Scripture that God gave Israel a land. He fulfilled that promise. But that was only an earthly type of the new heavens and the new earth. There is greater fulfillment that we await as a church. And we know that he saved us through a son of Abraham from the line of Abraham. That son was Jesus Christ. And so we this morning are part of Abraham's big spiritual family, we might say. But we have yet to see the full and final redemption of our bodies. We have yet to experience that glorification in the last day. And so what we do in the meantime is we live by faith, trusting in his word to us. We live by faith 
believing that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion. He will bring it to fulfillment. He will bring it to perfection at the day of Christ Jesus. And so we live by faith like Isaac, like Jacob and Joseph, trusting in God's word and not in our present circumstances. We rest on what he has spoken to us in the scriptures. Well, secondly, we also learn from these men what it means to persevere by faith. We learn what it means to trust in God's word. We learn, secondly, what it means to persevere by faith. As the author of Hebrews describes the faith of uh, these Old Testament saints, he points us to uh, the end of their lives. Did you notice that in, in our reading this morning? All of these men, as they are spoken about, what is mentioned specifically is the actions that they did at the end of their lives. Look again at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 20 through 22. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Now, when did Isaac invoke these future blessings on Jacob and Esau? It was when he was old, we read in Genesis. He was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see. It's toward the very end of his life. And then verse 21, by faith Jacob, look what the writer of Hebrews includes there, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. And then by faith, Joseph, we read in verse 22, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction, directions concerning his bones. Now, all of these are spoken about the end of their lifetimes. And we know these men, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, now, during their lifetimes, they were not perfect men. They were not sinless men. We know a lot, especially about Jacob. He was a a deceiver. His name in Hebrew actually means he cheats. Children, imagine if your parents gave you that name, he cheats, right? Think about how much you would be teased by that. That was Jacob's name. That's what he was known. He was known as being a deceiver. We know that in his lifetime, he he cheated his brother out of his birthright. He tricked him in many ways. He then tricked his father, uh, using his mom's help in getting the blessing. And we know also of Jacob that during his lifetime, he was very spiritually passive. He wasn't a a great father uh, in his family. Um, We know specifically that he fed into his son's Envy of Joseph by showing Joseph preferential treatment. Jacob was not, we might say, in the running for the father of the year award. And yet, when we read Hebrews 11, these things about Jacob are not mentioned. What is mentioned? What is mentioned is how Jacob and Isaac and Joseph, how they died in faith, 
how they died, ultimately trusting not in themselves, but trusting in God, how they persevered to the end. What we learn here from these men and what we learn about faith is that faith is like a race. And it's not a sprint where we run as fast and as hard as we can for a short distance. But we learn that faith is a lifelong marathon, that we are to run at a steady pace to the very end. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, these verses are in many ways the culmination of Hebrews chapter 11 of the Hall of Faith. We read there, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The writer of Hebrews is saying, look at those who ran before us, who persevered to the very end. Let us run with the same endurance. Let us run the race that is set before us. Who like them and let us run as they were running, looking to Christ, looking to what God has promised his people. Loved ones, how can we then this morning run the race of faith with confidence Enjoy. We read there in Hebrews 12 that we run with confidence and joy because we have a champion, Jesus Christ, who has gone before us and who has finished the race, who has been victorious. And we are to run like the Old Testament saints, looking to Him, looking to Him who has accomplished our salvation and who will keep us to the very end. We know that we are chosen in Christ. We were chosen before the foundations of the world. That Christ accomplished our salvation in the fullness of time. That his spirit abides in us. We know that the spirit is a a down payment of our final redemption. And we have his word in the meantime to guide and teach us and to reveal to us his faithfulness. And so we run this race with the assurance that as we run, looking to Jesus, he will sustain us to the very end. He will cause us to persevere. See, loved ones, we we don't know how long the journey of faith will be for us in this life. It be 20 years, 40 years, 80 years, we don't know how many years God has given each of us in this life. And we also don't know the route that God has set out for us to take. Now, many of you here this morning, if someone would have come to you 10 years ago and described the difficulties and challenges that you would be experiencing today, you probably would not have believed it. We don't know how long the journey of faith is. We don't know the route that God has planned for us. We don't know God's timing. 
but loved ones, what we know is that by God's grace, our destination is sure. Our destination is to be with Christ in the new heavens and the new earth. And we are assured that he is with us in the meantime. He will sustain us moment by moment every day of our lives until we get to that destination. Sometimes I wish I could see my life mapped out like Google Maps. I love Google Maps. I use it every day. Uh, It tells me everything about my route. I don't know if you guys use it. It tells me traffic, stops along the way. It even recommends detours that will help me get there faster and and more efficiently. Uh, It calculates my drive time. And sometimes it's so precise, it's kind of scary. Tells me about obstacles along the way. Everything is just perfectly laid out for me to see. But I know, and you know, that life is not like Google Maps. When it comes to life, we don't know how long the journey is going to be. We don't know the route that God will lead us through. But we are assured that he sustains us every step of the way by giving us his daily grace, and that he will cause us to persevere to the end, to both run and to finish the race. Loved ones, consider uh, Joseph this morning, who was described in our text in Hebrews 11 and also in our second reading from Genesis chapter 50. Children, you, you know very well how difficult Joseph's life was. Joseph was envied by his brothers. Genesis very specifically stated that he was hated by his brothers. So he was sold into slavery by them. He was later falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. He was imprisoned and forgotten about. Very hard providences that Joseph experienced in his life. But we read that at the end of his life, as he reflected upon the route that God took him on, a route that Joseph probably would never have guessed nor would ever have chosen for himself, we read that Joseph looked back on it all, and he said in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, what you, he was speaking to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Joseph admitted there, As he was looking back, God has a purpose in everything. And he has sustained us to the very end, just as he promised. And loved ones, he will sustain you and me as well. For he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion, to fulfillment, to perfection at the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for all your promises that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We thank you for the scriptures that record for us your past faithfulness in order that we might be assured of the fact that you will fulfill what remains of your promises to us. Lord, grant us, we pray, perseverance that we might run with confidence the race of faith that you have marked out for us. When we are weak, Strengthen us. When we are tempted to stop or 
to deviate from the course that you have established. Correct us, we pray. Help us to run to the very end, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is now seated at your right hand, ruling and reigning over all things, especially your church. It's in his name that we pray.